My guest today is David Menzies, the Menzoid from Rebel News. Uh, it's Saturday afternoon. He shows up in a uh, funeral outfit. What the hell is that? <laughs> you know what, Mike? I, I, I think that might be a good backup career to have in this business. Um, you know, dying is never going to go out of fashion. And no, as the, you know, the population of the world increases, um, why not? You know, as long as you can put up with dead people. But the way I figured, if you're driving a hearse, uh, you get to use the HOV lane and that saves you some time. Right. You just uh, string words together and hope they make sense. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. that's basically how it works with you. Well, you throw the... I followed none of that. <laughs> you know, well, I you think th- what you're trying to say is thin the herd, but I'm not positive. Well, I'm saying thin the herd can be... Um... I think you're a supporter of coronavirus. <laughs> that's what I got out of that. Well, that would be very good for the funeral director business, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah. You know, you know the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, I think, get preferred parking right. at the funeral home. By the way, I don't want to say your buddy uh, Trump is dumb, but he's uh, banned the importing of corona beer in the U.S. <laughs> no, he hasn't. Yeah, as of yesterday. <laughs> well, actually, you know, the... Believe it or not, Mike, it's a true story that uh, Corona sales have plunged. And it's kind of like you scratch your head and think, are are, are there people out there that are completely moronic? Not, not only that, Dave, but virus sales are almost down to zero. <laughs> I haven't had a virus on my computer for the past two weeks. It's just been unbelievable. Well, no wonder uh, there's so much Purell in this office. You know, I got to say this. I don't, I don't agree with... Uh, a lot of rebel news uh, politics. How dare you? But I am going to tell you this. <laughs> I think you and Ezra Levant are the most entertaining journalists that I've ever seen in my life. Mike, thank you so much. Well, and, hang and, on and... a second. <laughs> when one uses the word entertaining, one also uses the word fictitious. But no, I'm saying that you two uh, are the most fun guys to watch that I've ever seen in my life. Not that it's a train wreck. But it's an orchestrated train wreck. And you put yourself, you literally put yourself in harm's way. We do. Uh, we get our, our hands dirty 100%. And I think what you said, uh, entertainment, the cardinal sin in this business, the way I look at things, Mike, you can either be good or bad or so bad you're good. But the cardinal sin is to be boring. Yeah. There's a lot of boredom you know, It's funny you there. say that. There's yeah. a radio news channel in this city. And it's got the highest ratings of all the uh, uh, AM radio channels. But if you ask people who's on it, they cannot give you one name. <laughs> they cannot give you one name. But um, if, if you mention Rebel News to somebody, yeah. they either mention you or they mention Ezra. They always know who the two main cats on there are. It's, it's unbelievable to well, me. Well, you know what? I, I Even th- people who don't like you know who you are. You know, I, I, I'm flattered you'd call me a main cat. I mean, Ezra is a genius. He is the founder of the company, uh, founded it you know, literally the day after Sun Again, News enter- Network. entertaining. I wouldn't go so far as genius. But no, no. I, genius and masterpiece, these are words thrown around. I'll tell you, Mike, I, I was with Sun News, too, when it went off the air. I couldn't create a new media company yeah. out of the ether like Ezra did. Uh, but you know there there's other talents as well. There's Sheila Gunn Reed out in Alberta. Nobody nobody in this country goes through freedom of information requests and finds the nuggets of gold like she does. And Kian Bexty, uh, our young lad out of uh, Calgary, he has been absolutely phenomenal. One one of his uh, major grand slams, of course, was Greta Inc., where he goes over to Sweden to uh, you know chase down what the real Greta story is. Right. And That's when he uh, caught the parents in the hallway, and at first they thought it was a legitimate interview, so they were cooperating. <laughs> oh, that took And then pl- they threatened to call the cops, didn't they? That's right. That took place in Edmonton. Oh, we, okay. We got a... Uh, Kean got a hot tip on that. There was a, a, a rebel viewer that said, I saw a girl crossing the street with uh, pigtails, and she's either the spitting image of Greta, or it is Greta. And Kean went out there, and the first hint that this could be legit... Uh, that she was staying there, Mike, was there was a Tesla. It might have been the Tesla Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, lent the family. He took some photos of the interior of the Tesla. It was an absolute pigsty. Uh, And uh, with... um, Well, hang on a second. That just tells me that she doesn't litter. She never throws anything out of her car window. So (laughs) all you did just now was defend her. Okay, well, when you uh, lend me your SUV, Mike, I'll make sure I I return it to you looking like a dump truck from uh, the city. And um, yeah, he... uh, And and Kean, I think, approached it 
uh, in a genius way, he went up to her and said, oh, can I have a selfie? So it's, oh, this is just obviously one of my cultist fans. Right. And then he starts asking the questions. And you're right. When the questions aren't the mainstream media party questions and how great you are and what do you think you're going to do with that award you're going to get from Time Magazine for uh, Person of the Year, uh, suddenly it's interviews over and we'll call the cops. I yeah. mean, what, yeah. for, for asking impolite questions? <laughs> but no offense, Dave, but... All your interviews end with, we'll call the cops. <laughs> and the cops come. And they And come. the cops push me around sometimes. And I love law enforcement, Mike. I support law enforcement. But the problem you always have is, you're standing in a public place, and they come over and tell you it's not a public place. Correct. That's your biggest issue. Yeah. I mean, and, I've, and, and video doesn't lie. I mean, I see you standing on a sidewalk that was obviously poured by a municipality. Yep. And you're standing there, and then they come over, and they start giving you a hard time, and they tell you you're on private property. Mike, I think the worst example of that was last month when I went to Rogers Hometown Hockey in Vaughan, and it was to scrum Ron McLean. He's in a booth, and he's doing interviews there. I'm certainly not going to trespass by going into their portable booth. So I just waited outside. I figure he's got to come home sometime. And you see in the video, I approach him. I say, you know, hi, Ron, how you doing? He says, oh, very good, sir. And I start throwing out the questions. And then uh, evidently, I don't know, the Criminal Code of Canada changed since November. You're not allowed to ask Ron McLean impolite questions right, in the municipality right. of Vaughan. And, um, and, and that's what came of it. I never dreamed, Mike, for a second this was going to happen that a dozen police officers almost like their rogers private security guards yeah. uh would would descend upon me in fact i was having memories of the movie robocop you know how detroit right. outsources policing to omni consumer products yeah. and uh you know because th that's what it seemed like to me and i also I, I actually got some footage later on of the rogers head honcho there um having a scrum a football scrum with the cops telling them what to do well what the hell is that, Mike? You know, it's funny you say that. I, uh, first time I ever noticed that was when I was on my motorcycle on the 407, mm. which is a toll highway. Yes. And uh, we all knew that uh, without a transponder, <laughs> motorcycles did not uh, were not built. Oh, don't they take a picture of a motorcycle? They do plate? now, but they oh. didn't then. You, oh, okay. you could just pull over to the side a little bit, and the camera would miss you. And uh, if you didn't have a transponder, they didn't bill you. So I'm on the 407 one day, and I get pulled over by an Ontario Provincial Police Officer, and he asked me if I have a transponder. I said, no, I don't. And uh, he started giving me a hard time about not having a transponder for my motorcycle. I said, you don't have to have a transponder. Correct. And I finally turned to him. I said, since when, do you guys since when have you guys become a collection agency for a uh, Spanish company <laughs> That's that right. owns the 407? <laughs> and the guy backed off, and he let me go. That's Because he had nothing. I got to tell you, my, my, the funniest 407 story uh, I ever heard. And by the way, folks, if you've never been on the 407, like Mike said, it's an electronic toll highway. So whether or not you have a transponder, there are cameras that take a picture of your license plate. And if you don't have a transponder, they find out where you live and they send you a bill. And Boy, that was a lot more sensible than your opening statement. <laughs> <laughs> so had a beginning a middle and an end okay well for journalism <laughs> here's the funny story there's a minivan merging onto the 407 and there's a police officer behind the minivan they're just driving along merging on and when it gets to the array where you know the camera is right to the cop's surprise and later shock he sees the hatch of the minivan pop up a few inches and a tiny little hand covers the license plate. So there's like, there was like an eight-year-old uh, kid in the minivan, and the father had told him, "Now before we go past these cameras, stick your hand out. Stick like, it over can the you? Plate. Yeah, I mean you're merging at what 90 kilometers an hour, and you got Junior hanging half his arm so the out. The cop nailed him, pulled him over. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh, yeah that's great. <laughs> you get hit with child endangerment for that. Uh, and as well you should yeah you know what you're you want to save seven bucks plus and if the kid wasn't wearing a glove it's kitty porn i imagine they went after somebody <laughs> at the 407 and let's not forget about the seatbelt violation yeah oh <laughs> yeah know? everything Jeez. yeah you, but th that's where I, I i support getting the book thrown at you when you put a little kid like that in endangerment but a funny story just because it ended without anyone getting hurt yeah yeah, yeah 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 um what's your dream job 
You know what? I think I'm living my dream job, Mike. Um, what, being crowdfunded and not knowing what you're getting paid every month? <laughs> uh, listen to me. Ezra Levent in the five years of the of the Rebel, and we just this month celebrated our fifth anniversary. He has never missed payroll. and I. Okay, here's the big question. Yep. What is payroll? Well, uh, I don't know. Those I'm not being evasive. I don't see the books. But I can tell you this, Mike. I will wear it as a badge of honor that unlike the media party, we do not take a cent of government funding. We don't get the $1.5 billion in, in <laughs> welfare the CBC gets. We don't get the $595 million the print Dave. media gets. Dave. We don't get the $150 million of the magazine uh, people get. We are, you didn't get the bailout? <laughs> no, we, 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 we wouldn't accept the money if it was offered, as okay. if that would ever happen. Let me just say this to you. I have seen the stories on Trudeau. And if you guys expected government money, you're out of your fucking minds. <laughs> well, it's quite the opposite. Now there's rumblings that uh, they want to regulate the internet news media. Uh, they still haven't given a definition for that, where we would ostensibly have to apply for a license. This, Mike, is something absolutely specifically targeted to try to put us out of business. It will not, if it gets to the Supreme Court, it will not meet that uh it will not survive oh, i don't that think it's challenge. gonna fly at all uh, I, I don't either i mean even people in the mainstream media when this was first floated uh there was outrage and and uh stephen Gibault, the minister who was responsible for this what i likened it to mike it was kind of like he was the lion tamer and he walked into the cage to do the act as usual and suddenly the lions instead of sitting on their podiums like pussycats they started baring their teeth and uh swatting at him what I'm saying is that this government has bought and paid for so much media that they figured this would uh, it'd be an easy sell. And it's not. And it was kind of like the lion tamer starting to panic and sweat because yeah. what the hell? These, these alpha predators are supposed to be domesticated. And for a change, the domesticated members of the media party uh, reacted with outrage about this as well they should. Right. Uh, you, you did a story a couple of months ago on an MP who uh, you believe is, I guess, an Iranian asset, right? Uh, indeed, Mike. It has been reported uh, by one, one of the people, I should point this out, there's a foreign journalist, freelance journalist, who on um, TV overseas uh, made that uh, allegation about Majid Johari. He's the MP right. for Richmond Hill. And, and he's a liberal. Uh, he's a liberal. And funny story about that writing, by the way, the conservative went to bed thinking he was the MP for that writing, Costa uh, Minigakis. Yeah. Uh, because at the end of all the polls, he was the winner in Richmond Hill. But there was one poll left to count. It was the one in Ottawa, not in Richmond Hill, of foreigners voting. And guess what happened? Overnight, it flipped right. just by a couple hundred votes. And that, by the way, was one of the writings, too of the seven or eight in Canada, that if you took the PPC candidate out of the mix, it would have gone conservative. So that was a tragedy that Johari was able to get back in. But the source for that journalist, who uh, for that information about being a paid asset, a couple months ago, he's walking down the streets of Istanbul and took a bullet right in the head. Yeah. So um, there are other people out there. There's a uh, activist in the uh, Canadian-Iranian community, um, uh, uh, Mr. Pooley, uh, who is doing incredibly diligent work digging up stuff on Johari. And there's stuff that isn't allegations, Mike, that the fact that he had members of the Iranian parliament come to Canada on Canadian soil to have meetings with. You know, uh, when I went to... Johari hasn't sued anybody for defamation, has he? Not that I know of. No. And, and I, I can That's tell That's always you, telling, by the way. Well, I, and I can tell you this, when um, not only that, Mike, but in Richmond Hill, in his very own writing, at the Richmond Hill Performing Arts Center, okay, when they had the vigil for the Canadian victims, and let's not forget, right. 57 Canadians died on that flight, you had municipal, provincial, federal uh, uh, politicians of every stripe. Why was the MP not there? Because I'll tell you, the Persian community that was at that vigil uh, would have, uh, well, I wouldn't say attacked him, but they would have heckled him. They would have screamed at him. Right. I, I just found that so shocking and so telling that the MP for the writing that the vigil, uh, and there were people from Richmond Hill that died on that flight, 
uh, was AWOL. Just yeah. an absolute disgrace, Mike. It's also a big Jewish community up there. You know, um, in terms of the demographic, I, I know for the Richmond Hill riding itself, 11% or 12% uh, are, are members of the Persian community. I would say there's a large Asian community too. Uh, not sure how the numbers break down, but certainly uh, the Iranian community of Richmond Hill, is it is a significant minority right. for sure. Now, you know, it's <laughs> funny with Iran. They, you got older Persian people. By the way, whenever uh, somebody's from Iran and they tell me they're Persian, I always feel like saying, so what are you, 3,000 years old? <laughs> what are you trying to do here? Why don't you just say Iranian? I, you know what I mean? I have a female friend who I like very, very much, and she always says she's Persian. I always make fun of her for it. I go, well, you look great for 3,000 years old. <laughs> but uh, uh, <clears throat> insofar as uh, the Iranian community goes, the older Iranian people who I guess liked the Shah and didn't like the overthrow. Yep. They're certainly, uh, they would certainly be against Jahari. Yes. But it seems like the younger ones are pro, you know, pro, I, pro Iran. Not my experience, Mike. The, uh, I can safely say this, that every single member of the Persian community, with the notable exception of Mr. Jahari, the liberal MP for the writing, every single Iranian person I have met um, have nothing but bad things to say about the regime. If they could rejig the time-space continuum to 1979, there never would have been regime change. And listen, the Shah, let, let's be honest. Bad guy. He, he was not a Boy Scout, I'll tell you this. But if you asked Iranians confidentially living in Iran, if they could have him back as opposed to the Ayatollahs running that country now, a hundred percent, Mike. They are suffering from buyer's remorse. You know, Tehran was was very much like a, a European city. I mean, yeah. women dressed so fashionably and wore makeup. And now you have the so-called hijab police, where if you have a hijab that's too colorful, you can be fined. Right. You know, right. it, it, this is not what the Iranian people are about. I have found them to be incredibly entrepreneurial. And um, in one of the reasons I think they came, I was talking to Lou Skizas, formerly of uh, AM640. He says, you know, when, when you saw the first wave coming over in the 1980s to Toronto, and I mean, there's a nickname for Toronto, as you know, uh, Toronto, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, they looked at this area and they said, you know what? <laughs> we can make money here. This is a good place to relocate. Those are the Iranian people I have met here, uh, right. Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it'd be funny if you had a hijab and you painted your lower face on it. <laughs> what are they going to do? Well, the, the hijab, unlike the burqa or the Sorry. kneecap, yeah, it doesn't yeah. cover your face. Right. Yes. Oh, I mean the burqa. I thought it'd be funny if you painted your lower face on the burqa. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, By the way, you've made like 10 errors so far. That's my first one. <laughs> Oh, are we? Do we have something? Somebody like uh, uh, what? What's his name? Daniel Dale at the, of the Toronto Star doing a fact check on yeah, this yeah, broadcast. Yeah. <laughs> when you went to Jahari's office, uh, I thought it was funny. Yeah, <clears throat> this old white lady tried to stop you who looked like a librarian, <laughs> and it cracked me up the way she was talking to you. You know? Yeah, and and she called the police. And here's where I'm going to give the York Regional Police a shout out. The officer came there. And he said, I, and I was out of the, the, I was in the foyer and the officer, I, I said who I was, I identified myself and I said, I'm just trying to get comment from Ms. Johari because quite frankly, officer, I think this man has the blood of 57 Canadians on his hand, right. uh, you know, because of his close ties to the Iranian regime. And um, he, the, the officer responded by saying, you're free to be here, sir. However, if the building owner, not the tenant, you know, Johari's office, says that they want you off, uh, we'd have to come back and uh, tell you to, to leave. I said, I totally understand. I am on private property. And the officer said, well, we don't have any notification from the owner, so you're free to stay here. That was excellent policing right. by the York Regional Police. And, so did uh, you stay? Yeah, you know, for a little bit, uh, because I had the meeting. He wasn't there, though, was he? Uh, no, no. Uh, he, this, you know, they, they call the... Um, Constituency office? Uh, no, no. I was just going to say that there, there's an animal uh, up in the north, uh, the Arctic lynx. Right. Um, even wildlife photographers that camp out for months trying to get a shot with a telephoto lens uh, never uh, 
can go through their entire life without seeing one. It has the nickname, the ghost of the Arctic. That's um, Maji Johari. The He's the ghost of, of Richmond, <laughs> Richmond Hill. Yeah. Okay. What would you have said to him if you got him? <clears throat> oh, I, I, I did scrum him uh, earlier this month at Hillcrest Mall. The police were called and I was escorted out. Um, but I kept asking him about these connections uh, to uh, the Iranian regime. And Mr. Johari, uh, well, uh, what's that old line you stand-up comedians use? Uh, denial ain't just a river in Egypt. Yeah, yeah. So he just denies, denies, denies. And uh, and then the cops uh, came again. And this time I, I had to leave yeah. uh, the mall. Yeah. What's the closest you ever came to getting punched? Ooh, um, that... Outside your house. <laughs> let's see where um well <clears throat> i can tell you this it was more than a punch and i actually suffered an injury from it in august i went to see that mentally ill con man jonathan yaniv who now goes through life as jessica yaniv he's the guy that is going to immigrant woman who runs spas out of their house right demanding that they shave his balls right which they don't have training for and they're uncomfortable with and he's filed more than a dozen There's training for shaving balls dave well you know what I, i'm sure if i went to church in wellesley somebody there could answer that don't question. get me wrong thank god there is training <laughs> yeah. for it but you know but um and when i encountered jonathan yaniv um who up until that point was getting around on a mobility scooter by the way that's to con the bc transit people to get the mobility rides you know curb to curb yeah uh he came oh i see so you spent five grand on a wheelchair so you can save a buck <laughs> did he spend five grand on a wheelchair i don't know yeah, i might have got it from the government <clears throat> uh but the he came charging after me he was with his mother um and uh, he had a who may very well have been his father you know what? I, I was asking about his father. Uh, th that seems to be a mystery man. And uh, yeah. well, then again, can you imagine Papa Yaniv? I don't think he's ever said the phrase "That's my boy." <laughs> right? Can't but, believe you missed that obvious joke. <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> I I took five blows off my head and my shoulder with a steel cane as I was filming this uh, guy. Um, you can go to uh, the Rebel News and check it out. And it was the very last blow uh, on my shoulder uh, that did a little damage that I had to go to get a little uh, physiotherapy for. Uh, his mother, meanwhile, was using her Apple iPad uh, to jam it into my face a couple of times. So that was a severe The mother was result. filming the whole thing? Uh, no, no. I, w I had a, my cell phone camera on a selfie stick. The first blow of the cane mic, and this was a cosmic fluke. Yeah. of miraculous uh, proportions. I was wearing my spy glasses, which are, they look like eyeglasses, but there's a camera in it. The glasses fell onto the sidewalk. I didn't even know they had been knocked off my head. So, what do you do? Order your, all your journalistic equipment from the back of a comic book? <laughs> or spy tech. Yeah. Uh, there's a free plug. Um, and the camera, the, the glasses landed on the sidewalk, pointing in the right direction to, to film the assault that was ongoing. So I had the first person By camera. By the way, before you do this again, order something from there. You know that uh, sea monkeys are brine shrimp, right? <laughs> was that what it was? Yeah, sea I monkeys was, are brine shrimp, yeah. There was something in the comics I was on an order. It was a, a submarine, and it was only like seven fifty. dollars I wanted I, to do that, too. <laughs> and I thought, how can it, even in 70s dollars, how can it be so cheap? I, I, I used to say to myself, even as a kid, $7.50, how come Canada only has two? <laughs> Yeah, and the, fifteen and, bucks, and they were bought used from the UK, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, obviously, the uh, the Cretchen liberals never paid attention to the uh, Beatles song "Yellow right. Submarine." But, anyways, um, Mike, just to show you how this guy games the system, he called the police. The RCMP came. He called the ambulance, it, and I thought, "What's his injury? Tennis elbow from smashing a cane over my head all right. this time." And when I spoke to the police, and this is going to be, I think it's going to, it's going to be an action in court as well, Mike. I said, officer, I've got the video footage. There's surveillance camera footage. I just took a steel cane over my head five times. And the officer, um, uh, apparently channeling Dudley Do-Right, went, well, you know, if we charge him, we might have to charge you. And I said, charge me After with what? After seeing video of somebody attacking you yeah. with a cane? And he said, harassment. I said, harassment? I'm in a public place 
uh, practicing journalism. But that's one of the problems that, you know, in the human rights pyramid, Mike, if you look at the human rights pyramid, if you are an able-bodied, heterosexual white guy, uh, you're not on the bottom of the pyramid. You're probably the foundation for the pyramid. But right. way, way at the top, as of right now, it is trans. The perverse irony here, though, is, Mike, if you speak to people in the trans community, most of them are absolutely appalled by this guy, you know, uh, yeah. g- you know, giving the entire community a bad name. As far as I'm concerned, listen, it, you know, if you want to slice and dice your genitalia and wear a wig and earrings and, and, and have a guy pretend he's a woman and a woman pretend he's a guy, do your own thing. You know, live your life. Just don't interfere with anyone else's life while they're doing it. But this guy is going around putting these spa estheticians, like I said, most of them immigrant women, specifically because, Mike, they don't know how the system works. They don't know about things like the Human Rights uh, Tribunal. And he has been putting them out of business. He is a despicable, vile individual who is, A, a con man, and I believe there's a large degree of mental illness. We'll see what happens well, when the court. What do you mean by putting them out of business? Win- winning at the Human Rights Commission? Uh, no, because once they got these letters that you have to come, um, and they just shut down. They they didn't want to. Um, they, they were they were terrified. Yeah, they were frightened. Now, if you because thank thankfully because of the attention the Yaniv cases received, Mike, uh, the BC Human Rights Tribunal, and I'm telling you, folks, out of all the tribunals in Canada, the most wacko progressive one there is is the BC one. No surprise. But even the and, and you know we can even talk about in your business. Remember the uh, the Guy Earl case you know, uh, yeah. the stand-up committee, you know, that's a BC Human Rights Tribunal thing. Yeah. Even they, thanks to the attention, decided that on three of the complaints, they awarded the, um, the people he was complaining about uh, $2,000 each at damages. That is almost unheard of. Right. Uh, a Human Rights Tribunal not being in bed 100% of the way with the complainant as opposed to the defendant. Right. Yeah, so how do you think it's going to end? What do you think? How do you think it's going to end for? Well, for uh, I, I am. My biggest question. Uh, oh, I think it's going to end badly. He's, he's had those three defeats uh, at the Human Rights Tribunal. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be more of those. He is um, right now in court for uh, having possession of a prohibited weapon. He went on to a podcast, Mike, and showed off his taser. Right on. You know. Yeah, you know. It's illegal to have one. Pardon me. Illegal. Exactly. Uh, so there's that. Um, there is more. There are allegations. They're not proven. There's allegations of him having inappropriate conduct uh, of a sexual nature with minors. That is uh, proceeding as well. I think his house of cards is going to fall down. Right. My biggest question, Mike, and no one's been able to solve this riddle. Where is the money coming from? He seems to be a full-time agitator. I don't know if he has a job. I don't know if he has an inheritance, but him and his mom live in separate nice condos in uh, the Vancouver area. And for the life of me, this must be costing him a mint. He's now hired a lawyer to represent himself for the prohibited weapon charge. And I wish we could get, uh, maybe one of your uh, viewers or listeners uh, can tip us off on that. I'd like to know where the money trail is with this individual because it must be costing him a fortune. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to talk in a couple of minutes about the uh, rail blockades because I know you've been covering those too, right? Indeed. Yeah, I want you to explain what the whole thing is, what it's about, and uh, how many stories you've done on it. Absolutely. And we have a uh, surprise guest coming in regarding Ooh. that. Yeah, surprise guest. Something I want to ask you, your wife, your kids, your, your kids are older, right? They are, Yes. How old are they? Uh, 20 and 18. Right. And uh, is your wife the same political stripe as you are? You know what? Increasingly, uh, yes. And she's actually (laughs) putting out tweets of that nature. Um, But um, uh, I would... uh, Under what? Women's void? (laughs) Well, I'd like to refer to her as Lady Menzoid, but uh, I I think uh, she does her own thing on uh, Twitter. I only use Twitter, Mike, to tweet out my rebel news stories and, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. What about the kids? Because uh, I find if your kids are 20 and 18 and you have the political stripe you have, they usually hate your guts and you got to put a piece of scotch tape on your hood every night so you can uh, make sure they haven't planted a bomb. You know, this is the thing, and this is, I find, so depressing 
and so telling of where we are in society today. In my house, yeah, it's pretty much as right wing as it can get, I would say. But even what your kids too? No, this is the thing I'm leading up to, Mike. Yeah. Um, but the indoctrination of the education system is such that I believe if they were living in the U.S., they would be voting or wanting to vote for Bernie Saunders. Um, yeah. They they have been indoctrinated to such a degree by the education system that um, even in my household and the kind of content I produce for Rebel News, it's water off a duck's back. You know, it's it's all. I mean, but I guess it goes back to um, the Winston Churchill quote. Uh, hopefully, I'm not butchering it, but he said, um, "If if a uh, if a a man who is not a liberal when he's 20 has no heart." A man who is not a conservative when he's 40 has no brain. Yeah, that's so it. I think with the passage of time, um, and uh, hopefully maybe they'll actually view my videos, uh, we can uh, reverse engineer their ideology. Are they but, embarrassed? You know what? They, they've never actually said they're embarrassed. But, you know, like all kids, I mean, I remember when they were young and precious and you'd, you'd go to the mall and they would hold your hand, right? And then there's that age, I guess it's around um, maybe 12, 13, where you go to the mall, there's no more hand-holding, certainly, and if they see any of their friends at the mall, suddenly you are radioactive waste. Right. You oh, are toxic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, By the way, if your kid's 20 and holding your hand at the mall, I think that's even sadder. <laughs> just, just to get that point out there, Dave, you know? I'm sorry you're yearning, but believe me, you're better off. You know. Now you have a hobby that's kind of weird, which is uh, continuity in movies. Oh well, no, I, I said that off air. Uh, there was something behind me. I think that we had to move it, and I had I, I likened it to. I, I think I might be a unique individual on the planet for actually spotting a Stanley Kubrick movie continuity error. Because, as you know, Mike uh, Kubrick was such a perfectionist, and this is why his movies took so long to make and, and would always go over budget that, you know, a, a character walking out of a storefront, a three second scene, he might shoot 29 times. Right, right. And there's this, and of course, uh, around uh, 1980, when The Shining came out, I was an usher at the uh, dearly departed Hollywood cinema, because that's what we do in Toronto, right, Mike? We we tear down these glorious, right. majestic cinemas like the Hollywood and the Highland, which was next door, and because uh, we need more retail, uh, apparently, or more multiplexes. But the Hollywood was a beautiful cinema, and I was working as an usher, and I watched The Shining, oh, maybe 499 times. And there is the scene where it's the here's Johnny scene where Jack Nicholson goes with the axe um, to murder his wife, Shelley Duvall. Right. And he's hacking the bathroom door uh, apart. Then in the middle of the hacking, uh, Scat, the Scatman Crothers character, who's come back to the Overlook Hotel to, to find out if everything's okay, is calling out his name and he stops. And you see Scatman Crothers. And then when it gets back to the bathroom... There's one extra panel, right? Right. You know, of that bathroom door missing. But it, but he stopped the axe swinging. So there's no way that uh, he could have taken another panel out. So there was obviously a continuity error that even the master, Stanley Cooper. And when I saw this, I had an epiphany. It was like, you know, seeing a religious vision or something, Mike. But, yeah. you know, I think for if, if there's any film buffs in your um, audience, uh, they probably found that to be a fascinating story. And everyone else is maybe changing the channel right now. But you brought it up. I'm, I'm going with while they cut the scat, man. Probably you took one more swing, Dave. I I don't know. You know, I wouldn't call that a continuity issue. I call that a David Menzies issue is what I'd call it. Right. Well, well, watch the video, folks, and tell me if I'm right or wrong. I, I'm, I'm dead right on this now one. You wanted me to tell you the Edelweiss story, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, my dad took us to see Sound of Music in, what, 67 when it came out, I guess? And, you know, when the Van Trapp family sang Edelweiss... I saw him looking at us, and I knew what was coming next. Next thing you know, my two brothers and I are forced to stand up at family gatherings and sing Edelweiss. <laughs> Hated every minute of it. And I swear to God, he called every store in town. We lived in Galt. He called every store in town trying to find Lederhosen. 
And that was the last straw for my brothers and I. I was nine. My brother, one brother was eight. And the other guy was four. And uh, my middle brother, Pat, and I got together and said, there's no way. I'm not doing this anymore. So finally, we were in the car on the way to a family function. And my father started mentioning, yeah, you know what you got to do when you get there, right, boys? And my brother turned to him and said, you know that movie's about fucking Nazis, right? <laughs> We're not doing it anymore. And that was when the band broke up. And my younger brother had no say, so he had to go solo with Edelweiss. <laughs> oh, and to think this could have been Canada's version of the Partridge family. Oh, my God. <laughs> It was just unbelievable. It was just not to be. It right. was just unbelievable. Yeah. But you know what? We're, how on local radio, Mike? You don't hear these kind of anecdotes. You don't hear these. No. It, and what makes it funny is it's so true. And another thing that makes it funny. I mean, I have a collection, um, and I fully endorse this book. It's it's more than ten years old. It's called "Not So Funny When It Happened," and it's a collection of some of the best travel writers' nightmare stories. I think a lot of them never got published because right. that's not what the travel press does. Right. But this is the best travel writing because there is no better humor than unintentional humor. And who wants to read a story about you going to the Caribbean, the weather was perfect, the meals were fabulous, and it's perfection. That's boring. But you end up going to, oh, I don't know, the running of the bulls. And, uh, and that is actually the picture of the, uh, of the collection of uh, essays called Not So Funny When It Happened. And it's a bull's horn going through a guy's thigh now. Right. When, uh, yeah, you're in hospital, you're in pain, you're in agony, but wow, Mike, do you ever have a story for the ages, don't you? I thought a great travel story would be, uh, I thought my wife was gullible enough to believe that all-inclusive meant we could fuck other people. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> That'd please, be a great travel story. Please, I scare easy. <laughs> <laughs> now let's talk about the uh, what's going on in Canada right now, which is the native railroad blockades. Yeah, and I wouldn't qualify it, Mike, by saying native because some of the blockades I've been to, such as the Hamilton one, have been last Antifa. Week, yeah, that was the Antifa uh, uh, rail blockade. Although, you better tell that to the likes of uh, members of the media party like the Toronto Star. I swear to you, Mike. They had a story on the protests that I covered out in Hamilton off of York Boulevard there. And they quoted one woman. They said, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know how, her real name, but, you know, Sarah Fisher, ba 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 ba, who identifies as being native. Well, what is this, Elizabeth Warren? I mean, are you kidding? This is our version of Pocahontas? You mean to tell me I, you know, a, a guy like me of Scottish ancestry can go to a railroad track and go, uh, I'm Mohawk, actually, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, not I, McDonald. I went, I went camping once, so I'm Ojibwe. Yeah. Because I didn't I, have a tent. I drove here in a rented Jeep Grand Cherokee, right? Uh, yeah. th therefore, I am in it. So when I went there, Mike, um, it, it was... And, um, uh, and I urge your um, your audience to check out that on Rebel News, because even if you don't agree with our politics, uh, the rule of law is the rule of law. And what was incredible, the media party was covering this with telephoto lenses from about a kilometer away from the protest. I hopped the barrier, went down to the tracks, went right into the lines then. And, and I'll be honest, I was scared. Right. But you never show that there's you know you're sweating. Um, the police were for much further back. They were observing everything. I think if they weren't observing anything, uh, I would have been uh, beaten like a rented mule. And um, basically, I looked at this camp, which was just a bunch of white social justice warriors having a campfire. Uh, they it, it, One of the best lines was, I, I focus in on these three bags with LCBO logos on it, right? And there was a commentator on the video and he said, Mike, what kind of anarchists are these? They went to an LCBO store and bought their liquor. They yeah. didn't shoplift it. Yeah. You know, you <laughs> pussies, right? You know, so because of the LCBO, I mean, like the security will hold the door open for you as, right. you, as you take your liquor out if you got both your hands full. So um, anyways, Later on, I went up to the cops. The Hamilton cops had really no comment, but there was, we have, if you can believe it, folks, rail police in Canada. CN and CP both have 
their actual police forces. And they're real. They're when they're on CN and CP property, they're real cops and they have real guns. Uh, they do. Why don't you tell people the story about the time you were walking your dog on the railroad tracks about ten years ago? Well, th this is an incredible story, uh, Mike. Um, this is the first time I ever learned there was such a thing as rail police. And I was walking across a shortcut um, that is taken by about, oh, I don't know, 300 people a day at the time, um, the vast majority of them being uh, probably elementary school children. Yeah. And for some reason, uh, CN dispatched uh, an officer. His name is Richard DiBiase. I think there is a special place in Hades for him when he shrugs off his mortal coil. And I was, as you said, I was walking my dog and, shrugs, uh, shrugs off his mortal coil. Wow. <laughs> and I had, uh, I had my ear. I've heard, I've heard of screw off and die a million different ways. But well, you know, way. you know what my, I believe it was around noon because in this, in a way you have an involvement because my radio dial was tuned to the two dime network yeah. and cause I wanted to hear you. And so I have walked across the tracks. Now, by the way, folks, this wasn't me going through a forest in some, remote area, the, these rail tracks also cross the sidewalk and the road, right? It's a level crossing. So it was just to save a little time in terms of going around the subdivision. I'm walking along and about, oh, 100 meters to the east, I finally hear a horn. I turn around and on the sidewalk, on the sidewalk facing the opposite way is an SUV. And I thought, it, it, it startled me, I thought, that this guy was in an accident and he hopped the uh, the curb. Right. I see the CN logo. Um, I figured it was a security guard or something like that. And what DiBiase said to me is, uh, his opening line was, I saw what you did back there. Now, he hasn't even identified himself as a police officer. Um, the nature of trespass is that if you trespass somewhere, you're told, you know, leave. If you don't leave, then you're charged. But I am now, like I said, about 100 meters away from the crossing. And basically, uh, I had no idea what he was talking about. So he started uh, lecturing me about the, um, uh, you know, not doing the shortcut anymore. And he wanted my name. Now, the only reason you would give a name to an officer, unless you're in a vehicle or a licensed establishment, Mike, is if you're being charged with something. And I said, am I being charged with anything? And he said, no. Then I said, then I will be on my way. So I start walking, and then he said, you're under arrest, it, like a second later. And I go, for what? He said, trespassing. Gets out of his SUV. I have two hip replacements. He kicks me right in the knee. I said, are you out of your mind? What are you doing? Because he wants me to get on the, lie on the sidewalk. And then when I said, I have a hip replacement, he then kicks the other knee, right? So there's a train actually coming now. Traffic is stopped. I walk over to the cars that are idling. And I say, somebody call the police, somebody call the police. And DB as he starts yelling, I am the police, I am the police. What happens then? And by the way, Mike, uh, if you were, it, this is the year 2014, April 2nd, for my, my great white whale is a white Acura RSX because, with a, because there was an Asian lady in the passenger seat filming this if i ever get that film not only is dibiase out of a job i would say but he's in jail anyways um he then tackles me he then puts handcuffs on me his he is on top of my back yeah and i see an amber colored bottle with a straw uh, you know passing in front of my you know which he's taken out of his utility belt i thought it was a water bottle i thought the guy was going to get a drink Mike, it was pepper spray. Yeah. And at point blank, each eye, he doused me with pepper spray. I'm already on my stomach in the slush. My, my arms are handcuffed. And now my, my, and by the way, folks, you never want to get pepper spray. It took, I think, about a week for the remnants to finally get out of my, my eye canal. Uh, and what happened then was that I was charged with trespassing, um, assaulting a peace officer, and resisting arrest. Um, Thankfully, uh, I went to, uh, I got a, a great, fantastic lawyer, uh, Lawrence Ben Eliezer, fully endorsed him. He's a wonderful lawyer, criminal lawyer. Uh, it cost me a fortune, even though I was in the right. 
And the epilogue to this, Mike, is representing myself because I don't have a lot of money. I decided to sue CN in small claims uh, court for 25000 which would at least return some right. of my money. And I was representing myself, like I said. Did CN, you get off, though? Did you get the charges dismissed? Oh, they were, yes. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, just a peace bond was, was applied. <clears throat> the, uh, and, and thank you again to Mr. Ben Eliezer for that. Um, when I went to small claims court, what was incredible, I finally found out why the term railroaded was invented because we went to the settlement Gee, conference. I, I could have told you what it was. <laughs> yeah, I know that's another, and I want to hear that story. And basically, CN's lawyers said, we don't care about the facts of the matter. We don't care that you're assaulted. We, we don't care about anything. If you want to go to trial, we'll go to trial. And you know what? If we lose, we're going to appeal it to the superior court. And if we lose that, we'll go to the Supreme Court. And the judge said, um, I'd like all the CN people to leave right now, and I want to speak to Mr. Menzies. And what he said is he said, look, I'm not taking sides. But he said, these guys are playing hardball. I don't know what your financial situation is, but I can tell you one thing. Before this case moves one degree on the dial, you're going to be soaked for $100,000. You heard it themselves. They're going to go to the Supreme Court, you know, they are hunkered in. He says, you know, I'm just putting that on the table for you because the next decision you make is going to be very important. And uh, so basically, I threw in the towel, Mike. And yeah. um, I, because, and this is, here's one of the problems, folks. You can win the battle and lose the war. Um, if I had Lotto Max FU $70 million money, right? I would have gone to the Supreme Court yeah. if need be, right? But I don't. And that's the situation you're in. Uh, and it's, it's a tragedy because that would have been a modicum of justice for me. And it would have at least recouped some of the money that this cost me. And yet, here's this caught a cop off scot-free. And I can tell you this, Mike, if there was video evidence of this, it's not a court case. It is uh, a, a prison case. I believe for this officer, one of the Apotex has a factory where uh, this happened. It was right outside that. One of the first things my lawyer did was contact the security there to find out if there was any surveillance footage. Right. And unfortunately, the surveillance footage did not reach all the way. So, like I said, if you are that Asian lady in a white Acura RSX, who filmed this on April 2nd, 2014, please get in touch with me. As long as you haven't deleted that video footage, uh, you have uh, a piece of evidence there that I think can put a really bad so-called yeah. cop. So you've bars. narrowed it down to an Asian lady filming something. <laughs> In a white Acura RSX. Yeah. And Mike, you know what? That That's not a silver Toyota Corolla. That, that I think that model was only made for five years. Okay. And... Uh, <laughs> And it's a white one. We know that. Yeah. So, and and she presumably lives in the in York region. Um, and it was funny. Uh, three times shortly after that, I saw white Acura RSXs driven by Asian people. And I'd run up, I drive after them, and I go, "Were you at the railroad tracks on April?" And it was always you, you know, have a, a TV show life. called David Menzies, racist private detective. <laughs> Was that racist? I mean, <laughs> you know what I got out of that whole ten minute story? Oh no! <laughs> you have a really disloyal, shitty dog. <laughs> well, where Dex was your dog when all this was going? Dexter on? is a golden doodle, and uh, it, it is an incredibly uh, affectionate oh, yeah, they, animal. But they don't like to get involved. No, he was running in circles, uh, barking. Right? Yeah. And oh, and, and my, I, I can tell you this I, again: York Regional Police acting very good on this situation because they came on the scene as well. And evidently I had to go to York, uh, to uh, the major McKenzie detachment to get uh, mug shots and fingerprints. Yeah. And I walked there and there's a lot of rough trade there. A lot of people that look like criminals. I'm there in a suit and tie. And, and the officer, he says to me, what's this story? Tell it to me in 30 seconds or less. And I told it to him and he said, you know what? He said, I'm, I'm not going to, do their dirty work here. I'm not going to take your prints and do your mug shots. Uh, to hell with that. Let them do it. He was so appalled by that. I told my lawyer this. He says, are you sure, Dave? Because if you don't get that done, if there's no record, that's contempt, right? And, right. you know, 
And uh, so that was how egregious they acted. <clears throat> Second thing, Mike, at the time I'd been living in this subdivision for 16 years. As I said, on, this happened on April the 2nd. On April the 3rd, the very next day, and my lawyer very prudently told me on April 2nd, you go back to the crime scene and take as many photos as you can. I'm glad I did. On April the 3rd, after 16 years of there being no fence and no, no trespass signs. Suddenly they're up. Yeah. Yeah. See what happened? Yeah. Already covering their asses, right? You know, less than 24 hours after this egregious thing. So when you go up against a big corporation, right? And my problem is this. My final note on this, Mike, is that there is no civilian oversight of these rail police. There is no SIU unit to... Uh, yeah, I've heard do, lots of horror stories about these guys. Yeah, the companies themselves are responsible for their behavior. And if CN and CP, their mission statement is, well, to return shareholder value. You think they're going to spend money going after yeah. their rotten cops? No. No, exactly. All right. And we're going to talk more about uh, railroad, uh, the railroad blocks that have been going on. Okay. And uh, this reminds me of a scene from Annie Hall, you know, where uh, they're in the movie lineup and a guy in front of Woody is explaining Marshall McLuhan. <laughs> And then Woody goes to the back of the line and brings Marshall McLuhan up. And Marshall McLuhan says to the guy, obviously, you know nothing about my work. That was my favorite scene in any hall. Yeah. And, then, and then Woody Allen breaks the fourth wall and says to the audience, yeah. wouldn't that be beautiful if that really did happen? Yes, yes. <laughs> well, I have something beautiful that's really going to happen. Okay. We have uh, Ryan Bellrose here. Come oh, on in, Ryan. Oh, Ryan Bellrose. And, Holy mackerel. And you know, Ryan is an expert on the uh, railroad blockades because Ryan is a native activist and he's uh, someone who's trying to bring clean water to reservations. And he knows everything there is to know about this situation. Yeah. So we're going to double check all your horse shit. Okay, <laughs> then. But before you do, I'm surprised. You know, when I came on your show, the first thing you said to me, uh, Mike, is uh, you, I look like I'm going to a funeral or I look like a funeral director with my beautiful right. uh, uh, suit that I got from a, a Harry Rosen outlet store. Can't quite buy my suits at the real harry rosen meanwhile i'm looking at this ryan guy he's wearing shorts it's like right. minus 16 out there right yeah. i mean like i'm almost expecting annette funa full funa, what was that woman's funa name cello. <laughs> and a bikini we can have beach blanket bingo i mean yeah. what are we going to the beach like how come you're not busting his balls about that attire well, that's what i wanted because <laughs> he's gonna open with edelweiss <laughs> <laughs> One song I will never sing. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Ryan, you, you know a lot about what's going on with the pipeline, the rail blockades. Yeah, I've been following. And Dave from. says 20 out of 20 there's, councils. There's a, I, I was listening. I, I, yeah. uh, I was, Is that factually I correct, by. Ryan? You know what? Factually, yes. Thank you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get towards some stuff because actually, after, especially after listening to your story about the rail, railway cops, uh, I kind of would expect you to be a little more empathetic after dealing with that just because, you know, you you kind of got a little bit of uh, a taste of what being an Indian in Canada is like sometimes. Oh really? Yeah, yeah because uh, yeah. like listening. By to By the story, way, if you'd gone four feet to the right, you would have been out of his jurisdiction. <laughs> <laughs> Where you weren't too bright. Could have done a little jig and be like, "Look what I can do," you know? Yeah. yeah no. Uh, the reason the reason I, I I thought that was kind of an interesting story was because that's literally how we see this whole thing breaking down right now with the government, right? Mm, you're, right. You're, you're you're being told you're trespassing. You had no idea. For a lot of native people, we're like, this is our land. How the hell can we be trespassing, mm. right? So it is a, it's an interesting thing for me sometimes to watch the, the cognitive dissonance from, look, and I, I'm fairly right-wing myself, but I'm just saying like when I was listening to your story, I'm like, so why does he not understand why some of these people feel the way they feel? If somebody from the government- Well, explain the story. It's a, pipe, it's a natural gas pipeline going yeah. right across the country. Yeah. And it's, uh, and they're, they're <laughs> here's my thing. Yeah. You know, they're at the, they're at the uh, train tracks- Blockades are everywhere. Yeah. Why not just run the, tell them, why didn't the government just say, well, we're going to run the pipeline along the right-of-way yeah. of the railway track that already exists? Which you, you would think would be the simplest solution. Yeah. But unfortunately, it would also mean disruption of railway service. I know that's really ironic and While they're funny. building it. Yeah, it's kind of ironic and funny. We're talking about, you know, disruption of rail services, but that's what would have happened. It would have been right. delayed by the, the building of the pipeline. Meanwhile, the people that are actually out and about talking about this stuff, I would say, honestly, if you ask the average person, it's probably about 50-50. It's really, hmm. the numbers are a lot different than people think because you only see the ones on TV that are rah-rah, anti-pipeline, oil is evil, 
right? Well, you and, and these Antifa people are not natives. Oh, yeah. Well, exactly. And they're the ones that have the money. You have to yeah. remember that as well. Yep. I mean, the average guy, that, like the average native guy, he's at work. He doesn't have time to go to this nonsense, and he's not getting paid by Tides Foundation or the Rockefellers to go and protest. Yep. Now, some of these people that are at the protest have no connection to the Native community at all. And those are usually the ones that are advocating for doing something stupid, doing something violent, right? Native people ourselves, we're very hesitant about that because we know where that's going to lead. We know that it's the second a Native person does something stupid and violent, it's going to have repercussions for Native people all over Canada. And we right. understand that Look, I, I know it's not popular to say this, but just read the comments on any article to do with natives in any form of media. The comments are like cancer. You read them and you're just like, what the hell? Like, who are these racist idiots? That's Canada. Yeah. But, and it's sad because like I, a lot of people that I know personally, they would be like, no, no, we're not racist. It's like, well, you know, some of you are definitely not racist, but there's definitely a racist undertone. On these yeah, but Ryan, when you, uh, by the way, I just want to say uh, I was very impressed with uh, those $5 words you were using, cognitive <laughs> distance. I mean, the, the guy's dressed for the beach, but he's like Professor Egghead, right. but he starts <laughs> talking. Just that, That's just amazing, like that. You allowed me to let my guard down on, on this fellow. But, you know, for, these online comments, take yeah. that with a shovel full of salt. I had some troll uh, always commenting <laughs> it was for a brief period of time, several weeks, on rebel commentaries that I did. And his um, lead-in to his comment was, uh, given that David Menzies is a well-known convicted pedophile, you know, complete... I don't think you're that well-known, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not that well, though. But the, the point yeah. is, you know, what people will say with the cloak of anonymity and the outrageousness, this is... Not, it applies to every issue. It could it could be about a car review, for goodness sakes. Absolutely, or, but you know, but you have to remember that like this is something my dad taught me when I was a kid. People are honest when they're drunk or they're angry, right? So when I was growing up, I mean, you look at me. We're sitting at a table here. I'm actually probably one of the more pale ones. I mean, other than maybe Mike. Yeah, I like to tease Mike about it. But oh, that's a pale face already. <laughs> look, look at that but light you know, like, bouncing off. Listen, Mike's I've never, uh, I've never been the skinniest, handsomest guy in a room before. So <laughs> say whatever you want. Oh, that's hurtful, Michael. Yeah. Hurtful. This is kind of a. It's a catch twenty two for us, right? Because on the one hand, most Native people want to be engaged. We want to be right. participating in Canada. Like we don't want to be living way off in the middle of bumfuck nowhere, hidden in the corner and not ever talked to. We want to be part of Canada, right? Plus this means jobs. Yeah, exactly. But but here's the problem. That Good we jobs. Have now. Yeah, yeah. A, lot, a lot of them well-paying jobs. Yeah. But here's the problem now is that anyone, it, it's so maximalist now, Mike. I don't have to tell you this. We talked about it already uh, several times. And the, the thing is when you talk about how maximalist everything is now, so you're, you're not David Menzies. You're not just David, the guy that's going to talk about stuff. You're David Menzies who works for the rebel. Now, I'm friends with Ezra. I know the guy, but I've been told that Ezra is a Nazi and he's an ultra alt right winger, and and it's like I know it's the guy. Kind of, kind of hard for a Jew to be a Nazi, and just it, exactly. And this, but this well, not is really. Thing. It's ten dollars a month membership fee. I, I never got that defense. You know, it was and, ten bucks a month. And yeah. and just because I played three seasons with the Area Nations Hockey League, you've got to condemn me for life yeah. for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, but that, that's it's that, what's that joke about? I, I built fifty houses. Nobody called me a carpenter, but you suck one dick. You know, like that's so. But it's, well, my goodness, this is turning into the baby blue movie here. I mean, yeah. I know we're near city uh, TV, but my goodness yeah. gracious! But it's it, it, like you made a good point. But this is I'm talking about the maximalism now. Like we can't, as a native person, if I say online, this is and this is this goes for everywhere. I say it on Twitter. I say it anywhere else. If I say, you know, maybe, just maybe, instead of looking at everybody as my ultimate evil enemy, maybe I should just talk to them first. Maybe I should get their opinion and actually find out what they really think. Then people will say stuff to me like, oh, you're a government agent. And it's like my, my last name, just so you know, it's, it's kind of funny. If you Google my last name, it's, it's one of the first Métis families in, in mm. Canada. And my yeah. dad wrote the Métis proclamation, right? Like, I'm not some random, but they'll say to me, oh, you're a government agent or you're a bot. And it's like, no, I'm literally not advocating for anything crazy. I'm saying just listen to the other side. No, but Ryan, here's the point, though, on these blockades. Um, when the rule of law is being violated, I have no problem if they went to the legislature, Queen's Park, and did yep. you know a, a big protest. Uh, bully for you, 100%, you're right. But they blocked rail lines, which is yep. illegal. So they broke the law. Secondly, there was a court injunction, which they ignored. When that court injunction is issued, 
unlike what Prime Minister Trudeau said when he finally came back from overseas uh, fishing for that yeah. UN Security Council seat, um, and said words to, well, we need more dialogue, blah, 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 blah. No, no, no. When there's a court order, dialogue is over. Right. It is now, the dialogue has been done. Get off the tracks. Stop breaking the law. Otherwise, do we have a two-tier yeah, legal you, system you know in what, Canada right now? Yeah, I think we all know what the next step's going to be. They're yeah. going to start building it. They're going to get so far. Yep. And somebody's going to dynamite it. Yep. You think so? Positive. Hmm. Positive. So, somebody's going to dynamite it. Well, I hope not. Do something stupid. You know what's going to happen? Somebody They're not going to wait. Well, check. they might be stupid enough to wait till it's full of natural gas. But yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, if you're going to do it, do it when it's well, empty. Well, that's a tragedy yeah. because I would say the, the the biggest victim group would be natives. Absolutely. Right. Natives are going to. I'm get not saying natives will do it. Thousands of other well, groups might yeah. do it. Yeah, and that's the problem, uh, Mike. Who are these people? I mean, it's kind of like when you look at the green movement. The green movement isn't about environmentalism anymore. The green movement is the red movement with a new coat of paint these are you know marxists and socialists and communists that have co-opted something that is supposedly sacred environmentalism i mean who, what what kind of a thug there's would so be so many there's so yeah. many uh safety measures that can be put into a pipeline that can't be put into a tanker in yeah. the gulf of mexico or god forbid up in alaska exactly there's so many safety 100%. measures that, that's a good like point a, too you know that it's funny you brought that up because on that we 100 percent agree look mm -hmm. like the, the way that the native movement has constantly been co-opted. I mean, I don't know more started talking about the omnibus bills and the fact that they were hiding the slow erosion of native rights under multiple things, right? A lot of those things we actually agreed with in the omnibus bills. There were, there were times where an omnibus bill, there's 35 things in it, we agree with 31, right? The problem was that there was stuff in there that we strongly disagreed with that was slowly eroding our rights. Now, here's the issue, and like, correct me if I'm wrong, Idle No More got slowly kind of co-opted. I was one of the people that uh, started, like I, I created the Facebook group for IM. It's kind of funny. I got banned from my own group because some white hippie, uh, liberal hippie lady wrote this article about GMO potatoes and how they use them at McDonald's. And I was like, lady, most Indians can't afford to eat at McDonald's. Like, we don't give a shit about your GMO potatoes. Right. She banned me from my own group. Well, Ryan, welcome to cancel culture, like, another yeah. product of the left. Yeah, well, I'm not, I'm not gonna disagree. I, we, I talked with Mike about cancel culture before too, but my, my real issue here is that we need to talk more about native sovereignty in a nation-to-nation -nation basis. I don't necessarily agree with the, with the blockades, and I, I've made my position really clear about that. I don't... If you're trying to get people on side, the last thing you do is piss them off, right? And right. we want the average Canadian to say, hey, you know what? These people have been treated like garbage. We need to fix that. We don't want them saying, well, that prick made me 15 minutes late to get home to eat. Because, you know, after, after an eight-hour day, you're on your way home. 15 minutes seems, starts seeming like a big deal. Yeah. And on an hour. Yeah, yeah but Ryan, the fact of the matter, it wasn't 15 minutes. With yeah. the Belleville blockade, it was almost oh, yeah. three weeks oh, yeah. after and the court order had been issued. So here's the thing about the... Hundreds of millions of dollars it cost yeah. the Canadian economy. Oh, and I'm not I'm not going to dispute that. I, you know, like, factually, you're absolutely correct. But my, my issue, with the, again, now with the railroad blockade, is now it's turning into this discussion where... there Because the rule of law, right? Here, here, here's my problem with the rule of law. There are places in Canada where you guys didn't sign treaties with us. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna say you guys because you know obviously in this in this forum right now I'm representing the native people. You guys are representing mainstream Canada. Okay, not I'm not it's not personal. I'm just saying so for the purpose of discussion. Yeah. So my my rebuttal would be okay. We never signed a treaty in some of these places. Some of these places not only did they not sign a treaty, they didn't even know that there was such a thing as white people. So all of a sudden white people show up and say, oh by the way. We've created this country, and you're now part of it, whether you like it or not. They never signed a treaty. They have no, That's when they're talking about unceded lands. That's literally what they're talking about. Now, Canada just made an assumption that, okay, well, everything from here to here is Canada now. So now you have a group of people that don't necessarily agree. They, they actually think, wait a second, we're our own nation. And the, then the ones that did sign a treaty, they signed it on the basis of nation-to-nation -nation agreement, which means if you're going to do something, you have to come and talk to us first. You don't just get to say, oh, by the way, we're the Canadian government. We made this law, and now you have to follow it. it. But there is precedent for the Canadian courts to rule the natives' favor. Yeah, but there's so, also David. David, hang on, hang yeah. on, because now, now I find it kind of humorous. Twenty minutes ago, you were telling a story, literally, about the Canadian legal system being unfair and unjust. Now you're defending it. Well, I, I'm saying there. Uh, in, I think he's really saying you yeah. won. 
Is what yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I, 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 I said basically, like you know, when we we're talking about my particular case, yeah. you know, you can be right, but you know, it's like the lose. Tina Tur Turner song. Uh, what's love got to do with it? Oh, what's being right got to do with it? Exactly, David. And, I'm, I'm literally saying the same thing. Like yeah. you, like like that's what I'm saying. No, it, but it but doesn't I'm, necessarily having being right doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win in court, especially in Canada. Look, I. I I feel like sometimes we talk past each other. Okay. But what I what I really want to get across to people is that look, the native people do have some legitimate beefs here. Like they're legitimate. But I agree that the way they're going about it is not going to work out well for Canada. Oh, I, I agree with you. And, and I mean Canada as in all of us. It's not going to work out good for natives. It's not going to work out. But one thing it has done is it's again, it's encouraged other native people to step up. Now, this whole thing with the Mohawk, we know that that's, it doesn't affect them at all. But the Mohawks do have some legitimate beefs with the government as well. Now, they're using this as a way to, you know, to draw attention to their beefs. But at the end of the day, this, this is the th I just want to get this across to everybody, is that if we keep talking in maximalist talking points where it's all, nope, we're either 100% right or 100% wrong, nothing's going to change and we're all stuck in this. But I am of the of the belief, uh, Ryan, that the rule of law has to prevail for everybody. And I would say the more that law enforcement is ignore it chooses to ignore this the worse this is going to become oh, yeah. forget about native issues well, this forget handled, forget about the coastal yeah, this pipeline this was handled poorly don't get me wrong yeah. like that's this should bottom have been line stopped. is it going to get is it going to get built uh look I, i'm not nostradamus but uh Ooh, I, I think what's going to happen is it's it's going to get built right up to a point and then like you said i have no doubt look we know that there's certain groups that are purposefully co-opting this movement. Right. There are certain people coming from British Columbia, from yeah. the coast. Uh, I can I can name one, but I don't want to get sued. And she's an activist who has a, a clear track record of a lot of anti-Canadian stuff, a lot of anti-Israel, a lot of anti-Semitic nonsense. She has a history of this stuff. And now right. she's over there advising. So, I mean, when your advisors are people that think that a group of people using terrorism to achieve statehood are, are yeah. good role models... That's not going to go well for us. And, right. and you know, Ryan, you've hit on a really good point. As I discovered in Hamilton, uh, Mike, there was not, as far as I could tell, a single native, although the Toronto Star quoted somebody who said she identified as being native. Okay, <laughs> thank you, Ms. Warren. But here's the thing. If you allow this to continue and fester, forget about native issues, forget about pipeline issues, forget about environmental issues. You're going to see every half-wit lunatic group co-opt this you know vegan rights will sit down on the tracks yeah. free palestine will sit down on the tracks. where does it end and meanwhile if you're in the international business community could you imagine these trudeau liberals saying hey come to canada and invest in our uh, fossil fuel industry you would be laughed out of the room I, right. if i was in that business i'm going to argentina where you oh. know because i you can't even get you know, two dozen halfwits off a train track for almost three weeks. Well, why, I mean, why, why would you know, I look at the whole thing? Though, yeah. I mean, like some of these people it's true, are like, man, we look bad. Yeah, we yeah. do. I mean, especially oh, yeah. the ones that are like screaming about the climate and then burning tires, like and driving a Hummer, like yeah. one yeah. of the guys who this told is, me that. Yep. Look, okay. like, the other thing too, I think that people are forgetting too, is that a lot of these people don't represent native people. Like, and and so when I see some of these people on TV, like you said, the the second someone tells me I identify as a native. I usually, the first thing I'm going to do is ask you, okay, so where's your family? Like, who, who's your family? Where are you from? Every Indian in the world does yeah. that, yeah. right? That's just what we do. It's how we interact. So when they usually do this, oh, well, I'm, and then they'll, they'll think for a second and they always throw out some random, like I'm Bayotuk from Newfoundland, right? <laughs> like they'll throw out some random tribe that, and so I'll tell them there, there's none of those people left. Like, it, it, it's like stolen valor, isn't it? Somebody absolutely. pretending to be like that's, a veteran, right? Yeah, it's, well, that's, that's what more we call like, it pretendians. More like stolen misery. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's like, really, valor. these are the people you want to steal their identity? Yeah. Like, <laughs> All right, boys, thanks for coming. Yeah. I appreciate it, Mike. Nice to have you back. And Dave, uh, amusing as always. A, a pleasure, Mike. And and I uh, I hope your, your podcast takes off. It is, it's been so entertaining. You had my pal, Joe Warmington, one of the guys in the mainstream media who I adore, a man with a heart of gold. I heard him on your podcast. I think it was two weeks ago. He, he was excellent. Your interaction was excellent. So good luck on this podcast. Thanks, so, so glad to have you back on the airwaves, Mike. Thanks, pal.